0: hidden reefs at your love feasts, as they feast with you without fear shepherds feeding them themselves waterless clouds swept along by winds fruitless trees in late autumn twice dead uprooted jude verse 12 and coming at you from the great state of texas the theology nerds are back with another edition of bridge radio good morning and afternoon and evening y'all Welcome to everyone who is tuning in. We are the Christian podcast that brings on the world's top Christian apologists, theologians, scholars to discuss theology and Christian worldview. I am your host as always, Julio Amar Rodriguez, and with me today I have two co-hosts, Abrilla's uh not here womp womp but it's all right we have the president of bridge ministries steve den hartog with us today
1: what's up everybody good to be here
0: and we have for the first time as a co-host uh pastor of grace community church here in laredo texas jeremy bolo how's it going brother good good glad to be here so today's topic is going to be on the word of faith uh and the process the word of faith movement and the prosperity gospel uh we were just talking before this program uh, Steve came in a couple of months back uh, listening to our guest that we have in studio today, and he says, we have to get him on. We have to get him on. And then, well, Providence, uh, as time, time tells, here. we actually have him here in the program. In studio. In studio. So um, if you're new to the program, please subscribe. Uh, you can tune in to all of our past and present weekly podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Android, Windows. And through our Bridge app, uh, please drop us a positive review as well as that allows us to climb up the Christian podcast charts. And uh, you could also download our Bridge app. There you could find an expository uh, sermon series through the books of the Bible. Right now we have Ephesians, uh, the book of John, uh, the Ten Commandments as well, and other things. So you could also listen to Bridge Radio on there. So please check us out and share with your mom, dads, your cats, and dogs, and, and everybody. So our guest today, His ministry exists to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost and to help equip the saved to speak the truth in love. He is well known for his three session session seminar that he developed entitled Clouds Without Water. Formerly called a call for discernment, which is a comprehensive biblical critique of the modern word of faith movement. And uh, thank you so much, Justin Peters, for joining us today.
2: It's a pleasure to be here, brothers. I'm sure <laughs> is.
0: So, how, how has your uh, time been in Laredo? Has, has Jeremy been uh, whining and dining uh, you?
2: <laughs> I tell you, Jeremy and Ginger have just been great. They they uh, super super fine folks, very very nice, and uh, really enjoyed being with them and our fellowship together and. Uh, so yeah, it's my first time in Laredo, but I've really, really enjoyed it. And and if you're listening in the Laredo area and looking for a good church, I would commend to you, Grace Community.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so good folks, enjoying my time.
0: Yeah. For those who are unfamiliar with your ministry, who you are, uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and and how you became uh, so well known for critiquing the the Word of Faith movement?
2: Sure. Well. Um, a long story short, my full testimony is written on my website, mm-hmm. and, and I can uh, you can go there and, and read that. But uh, the Cliff Note version, as it specifically rates to our, relates to our issue at hand this morning, the Word of Faith movement, prosperity gospel. I was born and reared in Vicksburg, Mississippi, and born with cerebral palsy. Uh, I walk on crutches and uh, was raised in a Southern Baptist church, which was not you know Word of Faith per se, but uh, uh, Anyway, uh, there there was a guy in our church named Charlie, and uh, when I was 16 years old, Charlie came up to me and he said, Justin, God has spoken to me, and he's told me that he's going to heal you, as long as you have enough faith. And at age 16, this really resonated with me. I wanted to be healed. I wanted to do the things that my friends are doing. I wanted to be able to play football, and I wanted to, to drive, and I couldn't at the time, I can now, but I couldn't at the time, and didn't think I'd ever be able to, but So I really latched on to that, and he told me about a faith healer who was coming to my hometown named Nora Lam, L-A-M, a a Chinese woman who wrote a book called China Cry. And uh, in the weeks leading up to her arrival, this was back in 1989, but in the weeks leading up to her arrival, he was spending a lot of time with me. He would have me down at uh, his house, which is a couple hundred yards down the road from where we lived, and uh, I'd go down there and, and he would show me a lot of scripture that seemed to support his assertion that it is always God's will to be healed. Hmm. and Like Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, by his stripes we are healed. 3 John 2, Beloved, I pray that in all you may prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. Now he was taking these these verses out of their context, but Mm -hmm. at age 16 I didn't know that's what he was doing. I didn't know anything about hermeneutics and never even heard the word. And so uh, I was completely convinced that I was going to be healed. And she came uh, to the Holiday Inn uh, where the meeting was held, and uh, I went. I had a friend of mine with me who also has cerebral palsy, and uh, so we went fully expecting to be healed. and And there was a lot of um, you know emotionalism. There were people being slain in the spirit, which, growing up Baptist, I had never seen anything like this before. Right. And so when I saw people falling out, I thought, man, there you know there really is power here, and and I was even more convinced that I was just about to be healed. And, and um, uh, uh, long story short, I wasn't. Uh, Neither one of us were. Uh, He and I, Justin and I, his name is Justin too. He and I are both still crippled. Uh, So that was our first exposure to the Word of Faith movement. In fact, I'll throw this in real quickly. Um, uh, We came back to the Holiday Inn very early the next morning. Nora Lamb said if anybody wants to see me before I leave, come back early the next morning, be here at 4.30. So we came back and I thought coming back that would be my demonstration of my faith and right. and that would god would honor that and then i would be right. healed if it you know come back so early in the morning show god that i had a faith and uh so we we came back my dad brought us back and um Nora Lamb looked at justin and me said something to us briefly but then she turned to my father and she said what is your financial situation and my dad responded by asking he said Uh, what does that have to do with anything and she said the more money you give to the Lord's work the more likely it is he will answer your prayers (laughs) and um, and then my dad said boys let's let's go so we we turned around and left Um, it was another couple of years before I really got this out of my system so to speak Um, I went to see other faith healers but um, uh, slowly but surely, uh, I began to kind of realize there were some problems with it. But it wasn't until I was a seminary student years later that I began to study the movement at a more academic level. And, and once I started studying it, and this wasn't part of any of my classes. I just kind of had an interest in it because of what I'd experienced 10 or so years before. And so uh, I started studying it. And then I realized that, that this is not even Christian. The origins of this movement can be traced back directly to the metaphysical cults. Christian Science, New Age, New Thought, Gnosticism, even some Kabbalah. And so um, what we see today in the Word of Faith movement, the Health and Wealth Prosperity Gospel, uh, is not Christian. It's cultic doctrine that has been wrapped in some Christian lingo to make it appear to be Christian when it in fact is not. And so uh, Word of Faith, you know, that's the technical term given to the movement that's more commonly known as the prosperity gospel, the health and wealth gospel. Almost everything you see on Christian television, not 100%, but upwards of 95% of what's on TBN, of what's on Daystar, and Inspiration Network, and right. um, you know all these things there. The Word Network. The Word Network has some of the worst of the worst. But um, it, it, Benny Hinn, Kenneth Copeland, Jesse Duplantis, Joel Osteen, Joyce Meyer. Joseph Prince, uh, Todd White. Uh, this is the this health and wealth prosperity gospel, and it's it's cultic. It has a different God, different Jesus, different atonement, different gospel, and mm-hmm. so it, it really is very serious.
0: Yeah, and so your, your seminars are titled. Uh, it's titled "Clouds Without Water." Where where does that come from, and and why is it named that?
2: Yeah, uh, great question. It comes from the Book of Jude, verse twelve, mm-hmm. and really the whole Book of Jude is dealing with false teachers. In fact while I'm thinking about it, uh, 26 of the 27 books in the New Testament directly warn about false teaching and false teachers. And so it's a very prominent theme in the New Testament, warning about false teachers. But uh, the, cl- the title, Clouds Without Water, comes from verse 12 in the book of Jude. Jude refers to false teachers in a number of different ways, as you read mm-hmm. the verse in the opening of the program. Um, he says there are hidden reefs in your love feast. They feast with you without fear, caring only for themselves. And that is one of the hallmarks of a false teacher. A false teacher does not care about you, does not care about God, cares only for himself or herself. Right. And then he says that they're clouds without water. And right. so the picture there is that false teachers have the appearance of having some nourishment, but nothing ever falls from them. They, they just leave the ground below them yeah. dry and parched. And so that's the... That's the uh, genesis of the title there.
1: That's one of the things that continues to confound me with regards to the prosperity gospel is how they continue to prosper, you know, and people continue to come to the conferences. But when do you see any fruit that comes from it, you know, and the deception, I guess, that's there is uh, something that just continues to amaze me that people continue to buy into it.
2: Yeah, well, you're right, and and one of the reasons that it remains so popular here in the United States and and overseas, and and sadly, what's happened is the United States of America, we have created this prosperity gospel, and through television and now on the internet, we have exported this theological poison to the rest of the world, right. and now this is the face of Christianity in in most most of the world today is word of faith, and. Um, But the reason it's so popular is because they appeal, as the name implies, health and wealth. Mm -hmm. You know, they they promise people health and wealth, and they appeal to two of the most basic and universal Mm -hmm. of all human Mm -hmm. desires. You know, almost everyone wants to be wealthy and physically healed. I mean, who doesn't want these things? Right. And so the prosperity gospel says if you'll just come to Jesus, if you'll become a Christian, God will make you rich, and he'll heal your body. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, well, sign me up, you know. Where. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That sounds great. So, uh, but this is also what makes it so dangerous is because that is not the gospel. Amen. That is the opposite of, of the gospel. I mean, the, the, Jesus does not promise us a cushy life. He does not promise us, as Joel Osteen says, your best life now. Yeah. You know, that that's um our our best life is not this side of heaven. Our best right. life is on the other side of heaven, not here. Right and so um it, it appeals to flesh it appeals to the fallen flesh and, and any message that appeals to fallen human desires is not the gospel yeah so um
1: he becomes yeah. a god after our own design used by us for our special purposes it's kind
0: idolatry of a, yeah yeah a lucky charm yeah yeah so this is something that i wanted to show before we kind of segue into some of the f- False doctrines that these individuals preach. Um, here in Texas, there's a uh, individual that I've been kind of keeping tabs on for a while. His name is Joshua Holmes. He is a hardcore.
2: Now that you show the picture, I know leaders. who he is. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So last night, he's from Houston, Texas. Uh, you, I been you could watch him on Facebook. He he reminds me a lot of um, Deion Sanders. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just in the way he dresses. But um, he, he's false false teacher. I've listened to some of his 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 stuff, but This was uh, posted last night. Texas prophet followers call Jesus in the flesh, shown in uh, sex tape with multiple women. And this was a quote from one of his followers. For all you haters, if you don't know prophet Joseph Holmes, you ain't got the Holy Spirit. That's all I have to say, a young woman noted in a viral video on Facebook dismissing critics of the preacher. And then she goes on to say, "quote He is changing lives every day. He is Jesus in the flesh. He is the very tangible. He's got the power of God on him." That that showed up last night. And these are the kind of people that we're dealing with. Am I correct? Uh, yeah, Justin Peter? I mean, to to say stuff like uh, if if uh, if you don't know Prophet Joseph Holmes, you ain't got the Holy Spirit. And to say he is Jesus in the flesh, right? That is um, idolatry. Yes, that is that is yeah. wicked. So so you 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 do know. Joshua Holmes. Yeah,
2: I've seen him. I've seen him on the Word Network, and I I actually see their phone number there. Yeah, so uh, yeah, you know, one of one of the characteristics of false teachers, and Peter lays this out, and Jude lays it out. They are greedy. They care only for themselves, and uh, they are immoral. Mm -hmm. They're 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 sexually immoral, uh, almost without exception. False teachers. Are sexually immoral, hmm. and so that comes as absolutely no surprise. No surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. no surprise. Wow.
0: So, um, yeah, going into some of the some of the some of the doctrines, uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk about, and Steve wanted to talk about, was the the word of faith, sort of name it and claim it. This idea of. Um, I guess if you just think it, if you just say it, that it'll will, it'll will come to you. What what are the origins not only of the prosperity of the word of faith movement, but just that origin specifically, that doctrine?
2: Yeah, they have a doctrine known as positive confession, and it essentially hails, holds that whatever you speak, uh, you will create. Your words have creative power, and it goes back to uh, a man named Phineas Parkhurst Quimby in the 1800s. He was the father of new thought which held that whatever you think about you will attract to yourself this is the modern version of it is called the law of attraction the secret that Oprah Winfrey has been very fond of promoting in the last decade or so mm-hmm. Um Essek W Kenyon developed it a little bit further um, Mary Baker Eddy developed a little bit further and uh... so you have uh... like in the modern era you have Kenneth Hagin who's the father of the modern word of faith movement he took this doctrine of positive confession and really uh, brought it into the mainstream, whatever you confess, you possess. So whatever you speak, they, they teach that our words are containers of a tangible substance called faith, hence word of faith. They believe that when God created, his words were containers of this tangible substance called faith. And God spoke, he He used his own words of faith They actually teach that God has faith, yeah. which is Looney yeah. Tunes. Yeah. But, uh, you know... <laughs> So they teach that God has faith, and he uses He used his words of faith to create. We as believers, we can use our own words of faith to speak things into existence, literally, just like God did. In fact, I have a tweet from Creflo Dollar just from a couple of years ago. He says, uh, as Christians, this is a direct quote, as Christians, we have the ability to speak things into existence just like God did, hmm. end quote. So if you need money, you speak it into existence. If you need healing you speak it into existence. There's a an older audio clip of a lady named Marilyn Hickey that Todd Friel used to play on his program quite a bit, and <laughs> and I have too. Uh, it's kind of one of those things that I've, I've let it go because I've got so much other newer stuff. But anyway, she says, uh, she said, if you need money, speak to your wallet. Speak to your billfold, saying, wow. you big, thick billfold full, full of money. You know, and she says, well, well, Bill Fowle, you know, you've never been so full since I've owned you. You're just jam full of money. You know, you just talk to your wallet. Wow. So if you need money, you just pull out your wallet and start talking to it. You know, it, it's, but yeah, this is, this is what's being called Christianity today.
0: There's also uh, recently, I, I took note, um, Joel Olsting, he had miracles in your mouth, I think was one of the, uh, right. right. What, what exact? I don't know if you could think offhand, I remember that, whatever he had to say. It just absolutely blew my mind.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, there. Uh, this is a, a new. It's thing recent for me. It's very recent, so I don't yet have it committed to memory. But, uh, but yeah, he he basically said there's a sermon he he preached entitled "The Miracle in Your Mouth." A miracle in your mouth. And that title is not unique to him. Others have used that as well, but he's picked up on it. And and um, but yeah, if, if there's a miracle in your mouth, your your mouth has creative ability, and so whatever you need, if you need a miracle, whatever that miracle is. You just speak to it, and you make positive affirmations over yourself because your words have creative power, positively and negatively. Mm-hmm. And that's why, if you say th- they don't, people in this movement don't ever want to admit that they're sick. You know, if they if someone has cancer, they don't want to say that because if I if I say I have cancer, well, that'll right. just bring it into existence. It'll confirm it, and uh, so you know, it's 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 very superstitious. I mean, it's it's it's. Spiritual bondage is what it is.
0: Yeah, you were even saying that there's there's people who like they'll ask, Do you have a fever? And they might even be dying, and they're like, Nope. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. and they'll they'll that, just nope, continue I, with it.
2: I'm not gonna confess that. Nope, I am healed. And they literally teach that if you're sick, you you make positive confessions that you're not sick. I am not sick, I am healed, I am delivered, I am you know, all you make all these positive confessions. Well, well, another way of saying that is if, is you're lying. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're sick yeah. and you say I'm not sick,
1: well, that's called a lie. No, you know, no. yeah, exactly. So it reminds me of of uh, God, who has the attribute of creation ex nihilo. You know, right? And they're taking almost taking that attribute upon themselves to be something. If I say this, it's going to be that's right. It's not going to be. Yeah. You know, so it's it's ends up being blasphemous.
2: Yeah. Absolutely, they they demote God to make Him look human, and then they deify man, mm-hmm. and they make us look like God. And in fact, that that's not a stretch because they're the next logical step from the positive confession doctrine is their little gods
1: doctrine. Mm, yeah,
2: and they actually teach that if you are a Christian, you are a little God.
1: That absolutely blew me away the other night when you showed um, Creflo Dollar. I think it was that clip with. Creflo, yep. uh, with regards to you know horses being made after their kind, dogs yeah. right. after their kind, and what are we made after? In the image of God, God. Right. so we're so we're little gods. That's right, according to Creflo. That's right, it's incredible.
0: Yeah, and for for our audience who who is not familiar with the little gods doctrine, that'd be a good thing. <laughs> uh, can, yeah. can you kind yeah. of expound on that? Uh, what what is that? Yeah,
2: they take uh, basically they take Genesis 1, 26 and twenty seven, which says, you know, God created man in His image, hmm. and uh, because we're created in God's image, that means that we are gods. We're little gods, just like as you said, Creflo Dollar. When he says horses get together, they create horses. Dogs get together, they create dogs. Cats get together, they create cats. So when Creflo Dollar says, so when God gets together, he says, let us make man. In our image, then he asks, Well, what are they producing? They're producing gods. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's just completely blasphemous.
3: So, on that subject, I've heard people bringing up John 10, yeah. which is a reference to the Psalms. And so, someone listening who may have their Bible open says, But wait a second, John 10:34 says, Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said, "You are gods." Yeah. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and Scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming? Because I said, "I am the Son of God."
2: Right, right, and and that's a great question, Jeremy. I appreciate you bringing that up because it's one of those things that I don't um, always have time to flesh out in my seminar because I've got so much material. But yeah, in John ten. Jesus quotes um, Psalm chapter 82, 6 and 7. Uh, they were about to stone Christ because he claimed to be God, and so Jesus quotes Psalm 82, 6 and 7, which says, uh, I said, you are gods, and all of you are sons of the Most High. In verse 7, nevertheless, you will die like men and fall like any one of the princes. So there's a couple of things here. in. Uh, most commentators seem to believe that that Jesus, when he quoted Psalm t- chapter eighty-two, he was um, he was using hyperbole. That, and I think that absolutely fits. He was using hyperbole because these were these were judges; these were men, and they had been placed in positions in which they were making decisions about life and death matters that typically only God made. But because of the the position in which they were in and the decisions that they were making. They were referred to as as gods, not by their character and their nature, mm. not by their intrinsic nature, but because of the of the position that sure. they held. And so Jesus quotes this, and he's using hyperbole. basically saying uh, what these men were, uh, you know, in in theory, just by their position. I am in reality. I am by my character and my nature. And, but it says here in the text that he quotes very clearly in verse 7, we'll go to verse 6 again, it says, you are gods and all of you are sons of the Most High. But verse 7 is very clear, it clarifies this, nonetheless, nevertheless, you will die like men. Why? Because you are a man, <laughs> yeah. you know, and you will fall like any one of the princes. So mm-hmm. these were still just guys, you know, yeah. these were still just men. They yeah. weren't by their character and intrinsic nature. God, so he was using hyperbole. Mm.
0: Yeah, and the Bible is very clear that obviously there is only one God. I wrote some Exodus 23, uh, twenty-three, right. Second Samuel twenty-two thirty-two, Isaiah forty-four eight, Psalms fifty-one, and Romans sixteen verses seven. Just uh, so some of our listeners could go look at it's something that the Bible clearly teaches, uh, Old Testament, New Testament, all throughout. Um, another thing that I wanted to get that that relates to that is Adam was an exact duplicate of God. Yeah. Uh, that's another one that we have here, and so yeah, if you could talk talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. This goes to what they teach about the doctrine of the fall. They they believe that when God created, when He created Adam, He literally reproduced Himself. That Adam was a carbon copy of God, and uh, to quote them, uh, Kenneth Hagin said, Adam could stand toe to toe with God without any consciousness of inferiority whatsoever. Mm-hmm so he was, a, he was Yahweh. Mm-hmm. He, Adam was another Yahweh. Well, we all know what happened, right? Adam sinned, which of course begs the question, if Adam was Yahweh and he sinned, was it Yahweh who sinned? You know, you carry these doctrines out to their logical conclusion, you see how heretical yeah. they really are. Right. But when Adam sinned, he lost his deity, transferred it to Satan And when this happened, the real Yahweh God lost his legal right to planet Earth and was kicked out. Hmm. And so the real Yahweh God, according to classic word faith theology, is up there somewhere, but he's got no access to planet Earth. Kenneth Copeland says he is illegal in planet Earth. So, So the real God's been kicked out. And so that leaves a void, right? So somebody has to step up to the plate. Well Satan does it. Mm-hmm. Satan steps up to the plate. He becomes the legal god of planet Earth. Satan is not the legal god of planet Earth. God is the legal god of planet Earth. But according to Word Faith theology, when a person becomes a Christian, yeah. he regains what Adam supposedly had before he fell.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He becomes a god again. He becomes he regains that deity that Adam supposedly lost, and therefore we are little gods and uh we are entitled to health and wealth because a god cannot be poor and a god certainly cannot be sick. Mm-hmm. So it's it – all, all this health and wealth stuff, it, it is – that's kind of what the movement is known for, but I tell people that's just some of the bad, low-hanging fruit off of a rotten theological tree.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That, that's just some of the bad, hanging fruit there. And uh, it goes – it all goes back to their – to the little God's doctrine. They teach that we are God's. And so, therefore, we are entitled. You want to talk about entitlement mentality? Mm -hmm. Holy cow. I mean, this is entitlement mentality on steroids. Mm -hmm. We are entitled to health and wealth because we're gods. And we should be rich. We should never be sick because you're a god.
0: Yeah. It sounds
1: like Mormonism. Exactly. I was about to bring that up. Exactly.
0: One thing that I noticed that just clicked right now because I I have visited Bethel. um, And I remember one thing that I do know their eschatology, they're post millennialist. And this. Sort of just fits perfectly with yeah. with their whole seven. I think it's just called seven dominions, or, seven mountain, and mandate, how we're all yeah. yeah the seven mountain mandate and how we're all gods and how we're all going to conquer and obviously there's postmillennialists that would disagree with with their view and their sort yeah. of um, extreme, but um, no that that just clicked with me right now and it, it just fits well with with them because that was one thing that Chris Valatron um, brought up. I remember in his sermon he was talking about postmillennialism. Yeah.
1: Where does this little gods doctrine come from? I mean, who who originated it?
2: It actually originates uh, in its in its most basic form. It originates with Essex Kenyon, hmm. who is the grandfather of the movement. Ken, <coughs> uh, yeah, Kenyon taught that uh, that we are we are gods. He was the one that first began to articulate the the little gods doctrine in a in a cogent
3: way. Interesting.
2: And it was picked up by Kenneth Hagin. Now Kenneth Hagin claimed that he got this revelation from. Christ but in actuality Kenneth Hagin plagiarized the works of Essex W Kenyon. Yeah. He was, Kenneth Hagin was quite the plagiarist and uh they passed their you know that stuff off as new revelation that they got directly from Jesus no right. they got it directly from Essick Kenyon yeah. and plagiarized it. So yeah, Essick Kenyon. Yep.
0: So another thing that I want to talk about is the, their person and work of Christ. Um, you, you said it, you've said in your seminars, um, it isn't enough just to believe in Jesus. And at first that could sound really like, wait, wait a second. What, what are you talking about? And right. I, I experienced this one time sharing the gospel with somebody. Um, and I remember they looked at me and said, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe he was sinless. And <laughs> right. and, and at that point I was just like. Well, you believe in a in in a false Jesus, yeah. and I think it was at that moment, uh, years back, I said, "Wow, like some, you know, just the fact that I say I believe in Jesus doesn't mean they're saved, or does it really mean they believe That's right. the true Jesus?" So, um, Creflo Dollar, I, I I wrote here. He said, uh, "Since Jesus slept, uh, he was a man. The Bible says God does not sleep." It was an example of an anointed man. Yeah. So, um, if you could just talk about a little bit about the Word of Faith's um, uh, doctrine of the person and work of Christ, their doctrine of that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, they have a different Jesus. They they teach that Jesus was basically uh, he either did not come as God. Okay. So there's there are several layers to this. Some Word of Faith teachers, like Kenneth Copeland, teach that Jesus was created a created being, Mm. like Mormons teach, Mm -hmm. like Jehovah's Witnesses Mm -hmm. teach. Mm -hmm. Um, So they teach, some of them, not all of them, but some of them teach that Jesus was a created being. Uh, But that he came as, not as God in human flesh, he just came as a man. Mm -hmm. A man who had a very close walk with God, but was not (coughs) actually God in human flesh. That he kind of grew into his godhood. Uh, Creflo Dollar teaches that, that Jesus kind of became God. He grew into his godhood. Victoria Osteen, if you can believe it, Teaches that, wow, and uh, yeah, yeah, Victoria. Anyway, Victoria Osteen. So that's a whole other show, right? That's (laughs) a whole other show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So they they have what's called a a kenotic theology. Kenosis. Mm -hmm. They they believe that Jesus, if he ever was God in the first place, even if he was, he emptied himself completely of his deity. emptied himself Bill Johnson teaches this mm-hmm. at uh, Bethel Church, mm-hmm. uh, quote-unquote church, because these are not real churches and they're not real pastors, but uh, Bill Johnson, uh, the new apostolic reformation movement, twin movement toward a faith. Mm-hmm. So th- this is basically a repackaged version of the ancient her- heresy known as uh, Arianism. Mm-hmm. It's a modern-day version of Arianism. Yeah. Arianism was done away with in the Council of Nicaea in the year 325 A.D. And yet the prosperity preachers want to hold on to it. And the reason they do is because they teach that Jesus was a man who is uh, anointed by God and he became God. Guess who we are? Mm -hmm. We are men. Mm -hmm. And when you're a Christian, you're anointed by God and you become gods. Mm -hmm. So we are just like Jesus. In fact, Bill Johnson says that Jesus, this is a direct quote, quote, Jesus was the most normal Christian in all of the Bible.
0: Wow!
2: What? Yeah, yeah. That's insane. I know. So we are just like Jesus, all the rights, all the privileges. Therefore, health and wealth. Never uh-huh. mind that Jesus wasn't wealthy on Earth, but yeah. but uh, you know, uh, but he he didn't suffer um, like cancer or anything like that. But but we have all the rights, all the privileges, and so we are just like Christ, and therefore we're little
1: gods, and we should reign on Earth. Wow. I'm just reminded, amazed at how there is nothing new under the sun. Because like you're saying, you know, all of these heresies it's all are just from centuries ago. Yep. You know, the Aryan heresy, the uh, docetism, canatic, um, you know, uh, yep. theory. It's all stuff that's been around the block, you know, yep. thousands of years ago.
2: Yep. Nothing new under 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 the sun. You're right, yep. exactly.
0: Yeah, um, another one of their doctrines is that Jesus died not only a physical death but a spiritual death. So he died he died twice. Um, I mean, for us it's pretty obvious why that one is is just utter blasphemous. But for our listeners, this is completely new. If you could explain that, because that kind of goes again to that idea that uh, when I was sharing the gospel with someone, that what do you what do you mean Jesus is sinless? Um, it's kind of it. In, in this isn't it's in that same ballpark. So yeah. Yeah, uh,
2: and, and this also comes from Isaac W. Kenyon in okay. the 1800s that uh, Jesus died a spiritual death. He believed that there were two deaths of Christ, one physical, one spiritual. That when the when Jesus died on the cross, the work of the atonement was not complete; it had just begun. When Jesus died on the cross, then he went to hell, suffered, was tortured by demons, died a spiritual death, ceased to be God, <laughs> and had to be reborn. That Jesus actually had to get saved, and so that's where the real atonement of our sins took place—not on the cross, wow. but down in hell. And that is a standard doctrine in the word faith prosperity gospel today—that that Jesus uh, atoned for our sins in hell. It's 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 taught uh, very explicitly by Kenneth Copeland, uh, Todd White, the guy with the dreadlocks. Yeah. You know, he he teaches it, and he looks like the predator. He does. You know, the, and he is a predator. He's just a spiritual predator. But yeah, but they all teach this, that Jesus uh, died to deaths, that the physical death of Jesus was not enough to atone for sins. Yeah, Jesus died spiritually.
1: Yeah. Do you think that most people understand these things that are part of the prosperity or that are, uh, I guess, attracted to the prosperity gospel movement? Because it just seems to me that the first indication of something like this you know you would run around turn around and run away as fast as you could i just wonder you know are people really um understanding these doctrines or are they just ignorant of what the bible really says with regards to who jesus was and how we're saved and who god is i i I'm just—I'm still trying to wrap my mind around how it can be so popular when it is so errant.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, some do, some don't. Uh, it's it's kind of like Catholics. You have a lot of Catholics that really don't know what the Catholic Church teaches. Sure. But um, I mean, probably your your people that follow more of like your Joel Osteen kind of. Word-Faith-Light, I suppose, even though it's it's really not light, but he, he's kind of got a softer kind of version, smilier, happier, I suppose, version of Word-Faith. Probably not a lot of those people understand all the theological nuances that we've been discussing here. But uh, you're more hardcore. The people that follow Kenneth Copeland, the fil- people that follow Creflo Dollar, and Jesse Duplantis, and um, those guys, Jerry Savelle, um, yeah. I mean, if they listen to what they teach, yeah, they, they do. Interesting. Yeah.
0: So Joel Olstein's pretty big down here. Um, yeah. He came yeah. down here to Laredo a couple of years back, and uh, it was packed. Uh, yeah. Packed house. And some objections that I've gotten, and uh, you've answered them in your seminars, are things like, well, he's very genuine. He's very nice. Um, and uh, obviously that's appealing to emotion. It makes him feel good. Uh, but why, why shouldn't that even be... You know, a, a, a criteria for acknowledging him as being biblical. Um, it's a common objection. He's a really nice guy.
2: Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> <And> really, sincere. <laughs> yeah, he's very sincere. He smiles a lot. Uh, but sincerity is not the issue, truth is the issue. And I tell people that the men who flew airplanes into the world trade towers hmm. were sincere. Yeah. Now, you don't get much more sincere than that. Uh, but they were sincerely wrong. And right now they're quite aware of that.
3: One of the first conversations I had with you, justin I, I I would get kind of sucked into the black hole of Todd White videos on YouTube, yeah, yeah one after another, and one All of the right. questions I asked you, I was fascinated because he seems like he really really believes this stuff, yeah, and I asked you, does he is he himself deceived, or is he a first rate deceiver who knows this is false? And I don't know if you remember what you said, but you shared with me about the leg lengthening yep. and how it's a trick that he's actively performing. That's and right. He knows he's performing a trick.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right, Jeremy. I'm glad you asked that question, uh, and and you can see how he does this trick on the on the DVD American Gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you've not seen that yet, if you're yes. listening, uh, watch American Gospel by Brandon Kimber. Uh, but Brandon, in that documentary, he has a section on there, which he shows how Todd White lengthens people's legs. But he goes up to people at random on the street, and he has them sit down in the chair, and he holds each foot of the person, in one in each hand. And I, I suppose there's just an epidemic out there of people walking around right. with one leg just a little bit shorter than the other. One. And he commands the legs to grow. Yeah. Well. As Jeremy said, this is a trick. He's, the leg is not growing. He's manipulating the feet. He's manipulating the shoes, manipulating the ankle uh, and the, the angle that the legs are. So it, this is a trick, and he knows it's a trick. Mm-hmm. So um, so he is actively deceiving people, and yet, as you said, he seems so sincere. Yeah, he like, he seems like he believes this stuff. Well, there's an interesting verse in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse twelve, or is it verse thirteen? Twelve and thirteen, Paul says that uh, they will be deceiving and being deceived. Deceiving and being deceived. So there are false teachers who are actively deceiving people. Benny Hinn, Todd White, two good examples. They know that what they're doing is false. They know they're lying. They know they're tricking people. They know they know that this is a gimmick. Mm-hmm. They're actively deceiving, and yet they're being deceived themselves. And I think with Todd White and Benny Hinn, and I've talked with Costi Hinn, Benny Hinn's nephew, who got saved. Yes, and uh, Costi agrees with me because we've talked about this before. He, he agrees that this is true of his uncle. That yes, he is actively deceiving people, and wow. yet there's a part of him, of Benny Hinn, that thinks he's doing the right thing he's being deceived. He is yeah. deceiving and being deceived. And so both of those dynamics can be at work in the same person. Yeah. Now, some of them, some of these guys are just flat-out charlatans, like that um,
0: uh, Joshua Holmes, Joshua Holmes oh, guy, yeah,
2: flat-out. I mean, I don't think there's an ounce of sincerity in, in that dude's mm-hmm. body. But, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, but some of the others, yeah, deceiving and being deceived.
0: Yeah. Another thing that I wanted to talk about was uh, Bethel. They have a video that's very uh, popular of the Shekinah glory cloud. Yep. Um, you had mentioned to me when, when we were talking how you actually know some people who um, who used to sort of set up these uh, quote, air quotes, miracles, right? Right. right. Uh, and and I, I would like you to talk about that because you know someone or, or you've known someone who's, who's given you that testimony that they used to actually work and, and do that kind of stuff. If you could talk about that, that'd be, yeah, that'd be yeah. great.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in fall of uh, 2016, October 2016, I was preaching at a Miami Bible church in Miami, Florida, pastored by uh, David Diaz. Great guy, great church. But anyway, uh, this is Miami is where Guillermo Maldonado is. Guillermo Maldonado is the pastor again, air quote pastor, of um, El Rey Jesus King Jesus Church, and um, uh, Maldonado and Bill Johnson are good friends. They cross pollinate with one another. You know, they go to each other's churches and mm. preach. Well, both of these churches are known for having the gold dust. The, the 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 gold dust that just shows up in their services and there's video of this on YouTube you can go and find it and um, uh, so anyway after I was one night in my seminar at this church in Miami this lady came up to comes up to me afterwards and I won't use a real name but uh, but uh, she introduced herself to me and she she said Justin I used to be a member of El Rey Jesus I used to be a member of Maldonado's church I wow. said oh really she said yeah She said, "You know how they do, how they have gold dust in their services." I said, "Yeah, I've seen that." She said, "Well, when I was in that church, she and her husband both were actually pretty high up in that church. Wow! But she got saved, and she did exactly what you would expect a Christian to do. She left that den of thieves, amen, and uh, came out of it. But uh, but before her conversion, she was in that church, and she said, she said it was actually my job. She and a friend of hers." were tasked were with they were given canisters of gold finely ground like gold glitter and during the service they were told to go up stairs and dump it into the ventilation system and it would blow it out on the congregation and oh that was that's the glory of god no it's not it's glitter yeah. you know it's 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 a trick, and this was actually her job. She it was she did it, you know. And she said, "I know how they do it because I'm the one who did it." Wow. And so, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Another thing too. I mean, if you were to experience the uh, presence of God, uh, you would be on your face. Yep. Uh, uh, Just like in Isaiah six, you would be saying, "Woe to me!" Yeah. Uh, Right. I I live amongst the people, sinless people. Yeah. uh, You know. uh, and again, it goes back to kind of, I'm just, when I hear this, I don't know what to say. Like, it's yeah. so crazy yeah. that people buy into this kind of stuff. And It is. And, uh, and I'm sure the same thing is, oh, I'm more than sure the same thing is being done at Bethel.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's the same. Because, that yeah.
0: People who have been hurt by this movement. I mean, extremely hurt. Mm-hmm. I have. A, we have a sister here who comes to bridge very often who was hurt tremendously by this movement. I mean, suffered yeah. years with... Extreme anxiety, depression. Um, she thought because of her faith, this was just the way things were going to be, and and maybe it was all on her. And uh, and 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 I want you to talk about that for for some of our listeners who who are going through some of this. Um, yeah,
2: yeah. Th- this movement has it causes profound harm, physically and spiritually, to mm-hmm. people. We've been talking about some of the spiritual dangers of it, but there's physical dangers as well. Uh, on many levels. One, financial level, because uh, people are told that if you need a miracle, then you need to sow a (laughs) seed. And the bigger miracle you need, the bigger seed you need to sow. So if you have cancer, or if you have a child who has cancer, uh, you have a sick spouse, then then you had best dig deeply. Mm -hmm. Because the bigger miracle you need, the bigger seed you'd better sow. In other words, give me money. Yeah. Sow a seed to reap a harvest. If you ever hear a preacher say sow a seed to reap a harvest, run like the wind. Uh, in other words, give me money so God will bless you. Run like the wind. You're dealing with a false teacher. So, and and I have heard I've heard many 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 sad stories uh, from people all over the world who have given tons and tons of money to these false teachers. Some of them, everything they own, they've they've complete they've lost everything. Yeah. Uh, just the other day I heard a story of of this lady who who willed her entire house and all of her possessions to to Kenneth Copeland you know and she died and children were were left with nothing wow you know I mean that that happens a lot it happens a lot so there's that aspect of it there's the physical aspect of it in which people are told well it's <coughs> always God's will to be healed as long as you have enough faith yeah so if you're sick, as long as you have faith, you'll be healed. Now, what better way to demonstrate a lack of faith than to go see a doctor? Because if you go see a doctor, then what you're saying is I don't really believe God's going to heal me. Right. So in a in an effort not to betray any lack of faith on their part, sick people in this movement don't go to the doctor. And and they just waste away, you know. They, they they get worse and worse and worse, and a lot of people die. Mm-hmm. They die in this movement because they going to get medical help is a sign of lack of faith, and so they don't do it. And so yeah, there's so many levels to this. And Jeremy, go ahead
3: uh, on that on that note. <laughs> you pointed out something uh, recently about when you look at the demonstration of the miraculous and healing in Scripture, especially with Jesus, right. The ignorance of the people whose faith, if it came at all, often uh, preceded the miracle, like in John five, who healed you? The man says, "I don't know,
2: right, right. Yeah, I don't know.
3: So this because this idea of you've got to have enough faith even comes into the open but cautious charismatic circles, where right. they say you've just got to have enough faith. That's why we don't see the miraculous because we don't have enough faith,
2: right. Right, yeah, yeah, great point, point. and uh, you're exactly right. Now, on some occasions, uh, Jesus did seem to uh, acknowledge a person's faith. You know, your faith has made you well. Uh, but others, like you just said, John chapter five, the blind man didn't know who Jesus was. Uh, the the man, at, what did I say, five, I meant the nine. Invalid,
3: invalid. John John five is the invalid. Yeah, yeah.
2: John, yeah, yeah, John five, the pool of Bethesda, mm-hmm. and then John nine, the man born blind from birth. In both of those occasions. Neither one of those individuals knew who Jesus was. In fact, in John chapter five, Pool of Bethesda, uh, it it, it says there was a multitude of the sick laying there. How many did Jesus heal? One. One. So all these people say, "Well, Jesus healed everyone." No, he didn't. Yeah. No, he didn't. There was a multitude of sick people laying there. He healed one guy. Mm. So. But yeah, it is. It's just a very unbiblical thing to say that as long as you have enough faith, you will be healed. Here's what I tell people, and this is what I'll teach tonight at church. If you have been granted the faith to be saved, if you know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, you've been granted the faith to be saved. Don't let anybody tell you you don't have enough faith to be healed. Amen. Because being saved is by far the greatest miracle. You know, I have cerebral palsy, and you know what? If God wanted to, he could heal me of my cerebral palsy before this interview is over, and I could do cartwheels out of this building. And it, But as, a, as, as impressive as a miracle as that would be, that miracle would pale in comparison to what God did for me when he saved me from my sin, when he took out my heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh, when he caused me to be made alive in Christ. That is the greatest miracle. And so if you are in union with the Lord Jesus Christ, you know him as Savior and Lord, don't let anybody ever tell you you don't have enough faith to be healed. That's a lie.
0: Yeah. Amen. amen, amen, amen. And uh, some of the other consequences uh, of the Word of Faith movement at Bethel, I know there's two cases. Of, And this is, again, taking the doctrine to its logical conclusion, having an obsession with seeing the miraculous. Um, I know there was two counts of, I think, someone rather drowning or someone fell. And yeah. instead of calling the ambulance, instead of calling met for medical help, they stayed there praying over the individual wow. to bring them back to life. That was one. And I know the second one was, I think, someone was having an asthma attack. And they were praying over this individual. And the result was death.
2: Yeah. uh, It's it's crazy. I I know. I've heard, I hadn't heard the one about the asthma. I have heard the one about the the guy who fell off the cliff. Yeah, there's two. uh, uh, (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, that's more bad fruit from their bad theology. You know, these people in acute need of immediate medical attention, Mm -hmm. and yet they don't seek it out. Why? Because that's a that's a lack of faith.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, it's a lack of faith if you go get medical help, it's a lack of faith. And so, you know, you combine that with positive confession, you speak things into existence, I command the healing to come, you know, I command, you know, Jesus heal this person and and yeah, and and you know, the the poor guy, the poor gals laying there need some medical help could be helped by that, but no, we're going to we're going to, you know, yeah. employ our bad theology and a bad theology always has bad consequences.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah
1: well weren't uh miracles typically in the new testament something that god used to point people to jesus to who he was as the son of god as as opposed to an indicator of uh of faith you know so something that was used to build faith in who jesus was rather than something that uh you know we needed some rather than the fact that there needed to be more faith, in order to accomplish these miracles, it was just the opposite. It was yep. just the other way around. Those miracles built the faith and pointed to who Jesus was as the Messiah.
2: Right. That's exactly right, Stephen. And and Jesus never healed anyone for the sole purpose of that person having an easier life. Mm-hmm. That was not the goal of miracles, just to give that person a, a more cushy life. Right. Not at all. Um, so, in fact, Matthew chapter 9, we kind of see this uh, when Jesus healed the man who was uh, paralyzed. Jesus, knowing their – verse 4, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why are you thinking evil in your thoughts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? And look at what he says verse 6, But so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins, yes. then he said to the paralytic, Get up, pick up your bed, and go home. Why did he why did he heal this paralyzed man so the paralyzed guy could have an easier life? No, so that you may know that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. You know? hmm. So that was his primary mission, mm, not just Yeah, you know, of course he had compassion on people. Yeah, but but his primary mission was to to, uh, to atone for sin and and make the way for eternal life, not to have a, a more comfortable temporal Life
1: here—it's a fulfillment of the prophecies that we see so often, you know, throughout Isaiah that point to yeah. Jesus mm-hmm. as the Messiah. What he would do, so that we would know who he was. Yep, that's right.
0: Um, how much of of some of the the fruit of this word of faith movement, in the sense of people being slain in the spirit, um, speaking in tongues, um, how how much of this movement do you think is uh, like demonic oppression or possession? The vast
2: majority of what you see with, like, people speaking in tongues Mm -hmm. and being slain in the Spirit and laughter, Holy Ghost laughter, they call it, or fire tunnels and all this kind of stuff, there's nothing spiritual about that. It's peer pressure. It's group dynamics, mind over body. I was slain in the Spirit when I was a teenager going to see faith healers. But looking back on that, there's nothing spiritual about it at all. It's just I had seen everyone else do it. And so subconsciously, when you're predisposed to this, you're in a closed environment, and and everybody's doing it, and then people look at you, they're looking at you, you just you you do you the do same it. thing. Yeah. It, it's peer pressure, group dynamics, mind over body. Mm-hmm. Now, on occasion, there are spiritual forces at work. And I have heard some, quite frankly, rather terrifying testimonies of people who used to be in this movement, like one lady who's now a pastor's wife, but she was in this movement, got saved out of it. Uh, but she said when she was in it, um, she was in one of these meetings and the, the preacher, I don't know who it was, but he came up and he slayed her in the spirit and she said, Justin, I went down. And she said, it wasn't me. I went down. I was knocked down. And she said, when I when I hit the floor, she said I couldn't get up. Wow. She said I was, I was fully aware, of, fully conscious, but I could not get up. I was being held down by forces that I couldn't see. and She said she was paralyzed, but yet she was completely awake and aware of what was going on. She said it was the most terrifying thing she had ever experienced. So some of this stuff, some of it is demonic. There are demonic forces at work on occasion. Uh, I think Todd Bentley is demon-possessed. I I genuinely do. I think the guy is demon-possessed. I think that guy is just full of demons. Hmm. Uh, There's only a few of these people I think are genuinely demon-possessed. Todd Bentley's one of them, I think. I think Kenneth Copeland is. Hmm. Benny Hinn, I don't think so. But uh, anyway.
0: Why do you think he might be? Uh,
2: Todd Bentley is one of the most deranged and uh, darkest of all the individuals that I've come across and studied in this movement. Uh, He's the guy... He's a guy who claimed in back in 2008 at the Lakeland Revival in Florida that God told him to kick an elderly woman in the face with his biker boot. Yeah. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, literally. Yeah,
0: you should have been there last night. He showed a, a clip of uh, someone who – oh, it was Wigglesworth. It was some yeah, testimony of yeah, Wigglesworth's uh, – Yeah, Smith Wigglesworth. Uh, about him throwing a baby against the wall and kicking it, and then it was healed or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt, but
2: – No, no, it's fine. But uh, but yeah, I mean that that kind of stuff that that's demonic uh, and the things that Todd Bentley says his his mannerisms, the way I mean, he's just he's dark, mm-hmm. and I confronted him to his face one time mm-hmm. and uh, I got was standing as close as we are here at this table to him and and I'm not a mystical guy. I'm not you know, anybody who knows me knows i'm I'm not that way, but I will say that standing next next to Todd Bentley was the most palpable tangible sense of just evil and darkness. You know how you take two magnets and you try to put the same poles together and they Mm -hmm. just, you know, repel? I don't know what he was feeling, but that's what it felt like for me. It was all I could do just to stand there next to the guy who's just so manifestly evil. Wow. Wow. Manifestly evil.
1: So do you go to a lot of these faith healing conferences and confront people directly?
2: Um Yes, uh, I've been to a lot of these. I think I've been to 17 Benny Hinn Crusades. I've been to Joel Osteen's church. I've been to Kenneth Copeland meetings, Joyce Meyer, Jesse Duplantis. So, uh, yeah, for, whenever I get an opportunity, I go for research. You know, obviously not for any edification, but I, I go for <laughs> I go for research and I go and talk to people. Gotcha. I talk to people. I you know, and by God's grace, I've had some interesting conversations with no, some but. people. And you know, and which reminds me brings up something else sometimes people ask me are are there any are all these people lost are there any christians in in these in this movement That's here's what i here's what i say there are there is a smattering of sheep mm-hmm. in this movement um most of them are lost sheep who have not yet heard the call of the shepherd uh what few actual regenerate persons there would be in this movement are very immature, very new Christians. If they get saved, it's not because of this movement, it's in spite of this movement and so when you when a person comes to faith in Christ uh, they may they may be in this movement for just a little while but not for long mm,
0: yeah.
2: they're not going to stay in it just like a a genuine Christian is not going to stay in the Roman Catholic Church. When a person gets saved, when that person is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God sanctifies them. He he creates in them a desire to read and study God's Word. He helps them to understand God's Word. And as they read and study God's Word, then over time they're going to get discernment and they're going to leave. They're not going to stay in this kind of deception. If the Holy Spirit is strong enough to save us, He's strong enough to deliver us out of deception. Sure. And He loves us too much, and He loves Christ too much to leave His own in this kind of deception. Yeah, so, amen. if you do, if, if what few real Christians there are in this movement, they're very young, very immature, you know, and I don't mean that as a pejorative, they're just, they're young in the Lord. Uh, but over time, as they grow and, and babies grow up, you know, babies don't stay babies. Babies grow up, and once they grow up a little bit, they're going to get out of dodge. Mm-hmm. They're not going to stay in this stuff.
0: Amen. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and, and end the program. It's been a it's been a good hour. It's been a pleasure to have you, Justin. It really was. Um, I enjoyed it. As always, we'd like to allow our guests to share the gospel <clears throat> to our audience at the end of the program, most important part of, a, of our program. So, yeah. if you could do so, that'd be great before we end it.
2: Sure, sure. How long do I have? I don't want to take.
0: <clears throat> oh, you're good. Again, okay. Take as much time okay. as you want. All right, <laughs> well.
2: Um, yeah, dear friends, the gospel is not about health and wealth, it's not about having a comfortable life. The gospel is about being saved from our sin. And all of us are sinners. We have all broken God's laws, and because we have broken his laws, there is a penalty to be paid. And if we die in our sins, we will very rightly and very justly go to a very real place that the Bible calls hell. And the only way to, to escape hell is to repent of sin, turn from sin, and place your trust in the risen Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. Jesus, the Son of God, who came to this earth and lived a sinless life, never broke any of God's laws. He was perfect. He was the Lamb without blemish. And Jesus willingly laid down his life on the cross, and he bore the wrath of God so that you and I would not have to. And on the third day, bodily raised from the dead, proved himself to be who he said he was, God in human flesh. And the only way to be saved, to have the wrath of God that you and I deserve to have that wrath removed is to we must have a righteousness that we do not have we must have the righteousness of someone else and that someone else is Christ and the only way we can have his righteousness is to repent of our sin abandon our good works good works will not save us they're filthy rags repent of sins and trust Christ and what he did on the cross and when we do that, the, the righteousness of Christ, his righteousness, will be imputed to us, and we will pass from death to life. And Jesus says, the one who comes to me I will in no wise cast out. And, and, and I'll, I'll say this, too. Um, just as much as we should want a Savior from hell, and, and we should, we should also want a Savior from sin. There's a lot of people out there who want a savior from hell, they want to get out of hell free card, but they don't really want a savior from sin. Yeah. And if you want a savior from hell, but you do not want a savior from your sin, then you have a savior from neither. Mm-hmm. The Bible speaks of two different kinds of sorrow. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, a worldly sorrow and a godly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is a sorrow that leads to death. A worldly sorrow is nothing more than a guilty conscience. Nothing. A worldly sorrow is that sorrow that says, what would happen to me if my sin were exposed? What would be the consequences to me? And so we try to cover up our sin because we don't want the consequences of our sin. But secretly, we still really like our sin. And if we could get away with it, we'd run right back to it. That's a worldly sorrow and that leads to death. A godly sorrow is a sorrow that leads to repentance unto salvation. A godly sorrow is that sorrow that is vertically oriented. That a, a godly sorrow is when we grieve over our sin because we understand that our sin grieves God, hmm. and we do not want to grieve Him. Mm-hmm. And so that is there's a difference as wide as all of eternity between a worldly sorrow and a godly sorrow. Do you have a godly sorrow over your sin? Do you grieve over it? And if you do, if you grieve over sin... Run to Christ. He will save you. You will pass from death to life.
0: Amen. 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 Well, where can uh, our audience find you, Justin?
2: Uh, Yes. My website is justinpeters.org.
0: All right. And then actually the the DVDs, the water, uh, Clouds Without Water, are are, are actually on DVD, right? They could find them there?
2: Yeah. Yeah, they are. And some other stuff there, too, as well. Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: We'll get a few of those, too, so we'll have them here, you know, if anybody locally wants a copy of that DVD. Oh, that'd be great.
2: Yeah.
0: That'd be great. Yeah. Matter of fact, uh, for those who are listening, since you uh, stayed on the program, um, I will, um, the first one to just give us a rating, uh, email me, Julio Bridgeman at uh, hotmail, I mean uh, hotmail.com, gmail.com. I will send you within the United States uh, a copy of Justin Peters' uh, Clouds Without Water. The seminars are available in Spanish as well. Yes. Oh, yeah. They are.
2: Yeah. They are available in Spanish.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, thank you so much for tuning in. Today was such a great program. Um, if you would like to find out more about us, please visit www.bridgebookstexas.org. Hit the about slash give page, and you can find more information about us through our website. We are a ministry that is absolutely dedicated to discipling and equipping saints to be a gospel outreach, not only to uh, our community, but out into the nations. And uh, and. Uh, Please just share uh, share our podcast and and check us out. And as always, uh, what is your only comfort in life and in death that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And we'll see you on the next program. Thank you.